Well, as we uh, turn to God's Word today, um, I do have one other thing I want to share with you quickly. Um, just a couple of testimonies. I love testimonies. How about you? This is from Brother Joseph Multan in Pakistan. He says, I was leading a prosperous life and suddenly my family members began to die one after another because of witchcraft done against our family. I was very much afraid that my wife also would die soon. I lost everything in life. It was in this desperate condition I watched Pastor Milton program on Abundant Life TV. He shared good message and prayed with much burden. What a wonder. The Lord heard his prayers and delivered us from the clutches of the devil. He also gave me back all that I had lost. I give glory to God. My grateful thanks to Pastor Milt and Abundant Life TV. And one more. And I'm not sure how to pronounce her name. Uh, it's a, it's a she's, she writes that she's Sister uh, Samina, I guess you'd pronounce it, in Pakistan. We were not blessed with a child even after seven years of marriage. Therefore, we were going through much agony. I start watching Abundant Life TV regularly. Pastor Milton program I watched every Monday on Abundant Life TV. When Pastor Milton prayed, I am also agreed with him in faith. The Lord heard his prayer and blessed us with a lovely child. Praise be to God. We are deeply grateful to Pastor Milt for his earnest prayers and the broadcast on Abundant Life TV. It's just amazing to me that God is using our Sunday morning services. Amen? I mean, it's just, I just stand in awe. I'm just so moved and thankful that God takes His Word around the world. And we can be a part of that. Amen? Turn with me to James chapter 2. I want to talk to you about faith. Today, faith that produces miracles, faith that produces things that are so great that we, we can't even imagine them. And if you're here today and you need a miracle, I want to encourage you, God still does the miraculous. Nothing is impossible for our God. But I want us to look today, faith is powerful because in faith we partner with God. We're saved by faith, right? We're saved by grace through faith and that not of ourselves lest any man should boast. We don't receive anything from God except by faith. We believe in Him. We believe that He loves us, that He cares about us, and that He fulfills the promises that He's given us. And so today I just want to encourage you in faith. I want, I want to look at um, not only James 2, but 
Hebrews chapter 11, the faith's hall of fame, so to speak. And in that great chapter, we see men and women of God that had faith, that partnered with God, and God did great exploits through their lives. How many want God to do a great exploit through your life? Amen. Then it takes faith. And I want us to look it's several things today, but I want you to remember this. Faith is a verb. Faith is action. It's not just saying, oh yeah, I believe. Scripture says that the devil believes and the demons believe and they tremble. Faith is action. When we believe God and we believe His Word, then we change our actions. We change the way we live. We change the way we think. It's a verb. Faith touches every part of our lives and the way that we live our lives. In James chapter 2, verse 14, James writes, what does it profit, my brethren, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Can faith save him? If a brother or sister is naked and destitute of daily food, and one of you says to them, depart in peace, be warmed and filled, but you do not give them the things which are needed for the body, what does it profit? Thus also, faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. Church, I want to have living faith. How about you? Faith that's alive. Faith that changes my life. it, It changes the way that I live, the way that I think. It touches every part of my life because my faith isn't in humanity. It's not in myself. It's not what man can do. My faith isn't in my intellect, education, or the money in the bank. My faith is in the God who loves me and cares for me and created me. My faith is in Him. Faith that isn't active will never help you. To say that you have faith in God and not act upon it is not faith. Now turn to Hebrews chapter 11. I want to look at verse 8 and 9. I want to look at Abraham and Sarah. And there's four things in this passage of Abraham and Sarah that are powerful. There are actions that they took that enabled them to experience An awesome miracle. Let's look at verse 8 and verse 9 in Hebrews chapter 11. By faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to the place which he would receive as an inheritance. And when he went out, not knowing where he was going, by faith he dwelt in the land of promise as in a foreign country, dwelling in tents with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs with him of the same promise. The first two things are in these two verses I want us to see. First of all is obedience. Abraham obeyed. 
He obeyed God and it didn't make sense. God calls him out of the land of Ur. He calls him to this promised land. But he didn't know where he was going. And that's faith. Abraham obeyed when he heard God. And I want to ask you, when God speaks to you, do you obey Him? Some people laugh at the thought of God speaking to us today. Church, God's Word says He speaks to us today. Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice. Amen? Now, I'm not saying that God speaks through an audible voice. He could, he could. I know people that have told me they've heard that. I had a friend that was flying a helicopter and he, he, all of a sudden he heard God speak to him and say, pull up, pull up. And he, he, he pulls the helicopter up and, and it was just in the, the nick of time because there were wires that he hadn't seen and electric, major electric lines that were in front of him that he hadn't seen. But normally God just speaks to us through His Word and through that still, small voice. But church, God speaks. And when God speaks, we are to say, yes, sir! (laughs) We're to obey. Even if we don't understand. Even if God isn't telling us the future and how it's going to work out. Just like Abraham, we say, yes, Lord. I'm going to obey you. When the Lord placed it on my heart, To come here to Wasilla, there were pastors, friends of mine, they knew the situation. They said, you're crazy. I had one friend that told me, he said, you're either totally nuts or you're the bravest man I've ever met. But when, when God called us here, I wasn't looking in the natural. When when we walked through the doors, Melinda and I saw carpet in the foyer that was nasty. It smelled, it was stained. The same in the the children's area, the, the nursery area. I thought, why would anybody ever want their kid in here? Needed a roof, the building... The building, had just they didn't have the money and they hadn't been able to take care of the building. But church, I didn't see in the natural, I saw in the supernatural. I knew that God in His Word had declared, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. So, I didn't see in the natural the Less than 30 people that were here. And let me tell you, it does not look good in a sanctuary that'll seat, you know, seven or eight hundred people, and you come in and there's 27 people or so. People walk in and they go, What is wrong here? But I wasn't seeing in the natural, I was seeing in the supernatural and obeying God. Amen? And we're still working on the building 
And it's been almost nine years, but we're getting there. Amen? We're getting there. We've got new carpet in the kids' wings and new paint, and we've got new carpet in, in the auditorium and new chairs. We've got a new roof. We've got, we're getting new siding. The guys this week, I want to thank everyone that showed up. They put in all new windows downstairs in our children's church area. Amen? And these things didn't happen because of me. They happened because I believe God wants to build His church. I believe that God has plans for the hearts and the lives of His people. And so I want to challenge you, church, don't just look and see in the natural. Trust the Word of God, what He's calling you to do, and be obedient because He is greater than whatever you're facing. The battle belongs to the Lord. So first of all, turn to somebody and tell them, I'm going to obey. How about you? Faith is the best teacher. I want, that's an important point. I want you to turn to somebody and tell them that. Faith is the best teacher. Now, our world says experience is the best teacher. Haven't you ever heard that? It's not. Because experience will hurt you and wound you. It is unkind. God never intended for Adam and Eve to learn by experience not to eat of the tree. He wanted them to learn by faith. Amen? And church, I want to encourage you today. If you read the Word of God and begin to apply it in your life, it will transform your heart and it will transform your life. Amen? It will. God's heart is, is just like a loving Father. He's the Father of us all. He's our Creator. And He is love. Now my grandchildren... When, when I had a wood stove in the house, I would put a screen around it and I would try to do everything I could to teach them not to touch the wood stove. Why? I didn't want them to get burned. In the same way, God has given us His Word so that we can avoid the pitfalls and the heartache and the pain in this life. That we can live the best life that we can possibly live. And I'll guarantee you, church, I've applied it in my life and it works. Amen? So I want to encourage you, be obedient to the Word of God. And don't just pick and choose. Sometimes we come across things and we think, oh, God didn't, you know, we don't ever say this, but we live like it. We say, God really doesn't know what He's talking about. Come on. People do it all the time. They don't say it, but they live like it. And then it causes pain and heartache and destruction in their lives. 
And then they come crying out to God. And God's there. God's the comforter. But church, I don't want to go through the pain and the heartache and the difficulty. I want to live a life that's blessed. How about you? Amen. So we're going to be obedient. We're going to follow Jesus. And we're going to trust in His words. We're going to apply them in our life. So I want to ask you today, what area of your life do you need to obey God that you're not obeying God right now? That's a powerful question, isn't it? Is there an area of your life that you're not being obedient to God? Because God loves you and He wants the best for you. Abraham could have thought this. Well, God, it's not a good time. God, it's not going to work out. You know, it's the wrong time of year. The economy's bad. You know, things are just not right for a move right now. But he heard and he obeyed. That's faith. That's faith. When Melinda and I, when God called us from Texas, most of you can catch my southern draw once in a while, even though I've been up here almost 30 years. When God called us to Alaska, we didn't know where we were going to go in Alaska. We didn't know what we were going to do in Alaska. We didn't know anybody in Alaska. But we obeyed. As God opened the door and began to structure things, we said, yes, Lord, we'll go. We said, we'll go. And that's all that God's asking for us, to trust Him and to say, yes, Lord, I'll obey. Secondly, notice that Abraham dwelt in the land. What does that mean? Abraham was committed to what God had told him. Faith is obedience, but it's also commitment. It's not saying, well, I'll obey for a few months or a little while. It's saying, God, I'm going to be obedient and I'm committed to whatever you've called me to do. Whatever you want in my life, Lord, I'm committed. So Abraham and Sarah made a commitment. And that's so powerful. In fact, I know a pastor that when he is counseling, he asks three questions immediately. And I want to read the questions that he reads, that he asked the people. He says, are you committed to the Lord? Number one question. Then he says, will you do what the Lord tells you to do? And third, will you read the Bible and obey it? He's seeing up front if they're truly committed to God and committed to living according to His Word. Because if they're not, all the counseling in the world isn't going to help them. So he cuts to the core, the heart of the issue. Are you committed to God? Are you committed to His Word? Are you going to read the Word so you know what you're committed to? (laughs) I love that. It's powerful. The foundation for a blessed life is to be obedient and committed to for life. Do you believe that? 
Obey and commit. A moment ago, I shared about Melinda and I when we were called to come to Alaska. And God just overwhelmed me, and I knew immediately from, I was watching TV on a Saturday after working on my message for Sunday, and I flipped on the TV, and I've I've shared this many times, but I was watching missionaries up north in, in Alaska going from village to village on snow machines. And the Lord just spoke to me and said, I'm calling you there. And the the presence of the Lord was so overwhelming, tears filled my eyes. But when I told Melinda, she said, I don't think so. (laughs) She said, I can't believe she said this to me, but I hope she's repented. She said, I know you. You just want to go hunting and fishing. (laughs) And I said, no, honey, please pray. So she prayed, and and I'm not going to tell the whole story, but God convinced her. And and after God convinced her, and he, he, he soundly convinced her through a miraculous situation. But when he convinced her, then both of us said, we're committed to what God has called us to do. We didn't know how God was going to do it. We didn't know when God was going to do it. But I felt like it was going to be relatively a short period of time. And so we needed a a car really bad, and we'd been saving up some money. And so I went, and and I bought a Jeep Cherokee, four-wheel drive. Why? Because I was going to Alaska. And some people kind of looked at me like, why did you buy that? You know, they knew I wasn't a four-wheel guy out in the mud and stuff. They go, why did you buy that? Because God's going to, he's told us, and I'm going to be obedient. And so our commitment was we began to do what we could do to be committed to what God had called us to do. The third thing is righteous judgments. Everybody say righteous judgments. Now, the first thing when you hear that, you think, well, we're not supposed to judge. We're Christians. In fact, Jesus said in Matthew chapter 7, verse 1, do not judge so that you will not be judged. But what he's talking about there is that we're not supposed to be critically judgmental and condemning in our judgment, but we are to have righteous judgments. We, we judge things every day that we encounter in our job and in our family. And so I want us to look at Hebrews chapter 11, verse 11 now, and look at Sarah. By faith, Sarah herself also received strength to conceive seed. And she bore a child when she was past the age because, listen to this, She judged him faithful who had promised. That's a righteous judgment. Faith is judging God faithful. Doubt is judging God unfaithful. 
So if we're going to have faith, we believe that God is faithful. God is faithful. Turn to somebody and tell them today, God is faithful. I like that, Hank. Thank you for that amen. We just celebrated Hank's, what was it, 87? 89. 89th birthday. And God's been faithful to him for 89 years. <laughs> I want to give you just a, a few verses Really, really quick. Deuteronomy chapter 7 verse 9. Therefore, know that the Lord your God, He is God, the faithful God, who keeps covenant and mercy for a thousand generations with those who love Him and keep His commandments. Psalm 36 and 5. Your faithfulness reaches to the clouds. Psalm 119 and 90, your faithfulness endures to all generations. Aren't you thankful God wasn't just faithful to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob? He is still faithful to Dr. Don, to Pastor Todd, to every one of us. God is still faithful. In Lamentations chapter 3, verse 23, great is your faithfulness. Oh, come on, church. God's faithful. He is a covenant-keeping God. Amen, Amen Vern? One, one of the things I love about Vern, he, when he prays, he almost always addresses that fact. He says, God, you're a, we're thankful you are a covenant-keeping God. God keeps His promises to you. Faith is not deciding... What you want to happen, now listen to this, this is important. Faith isn't deciding what you want to happen, and then if it happens, you say, oh, God's faithful. Faith is saying God is promised, God is faithful, and even if it doesn't turn out like I want it to, God is still faithful. Because God's ways are not our ways. His ways are far above ours. And His understanding far greater than our little finite mind can comprehend. And sometimes things don't work out like we want them to work out. But church, God is still a covenant-keeping God. God is still faithful. Amen? Sometimes when you become a new Christian... You think, oh, great, God loves me. Everything's going to be all right. Here you're doing your happy dance. Life's perfect. I'm going to have the perfect mate. I'm going to have perfect children. I'm going to have a perfect house with a white picket fence. Newsflash. Not. Jesus said in John 16, These things I have spoken to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation. Did you hear that? Jesus said in this world we're going to have tribulation, but he didn't stop there. 
Be of good cheer, for I have overcome the world. Amen. We live in a fallen world. We live in a world where the enemy comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy from our lives. But Jesus says, I promised you abundant life. He says, even though you're going to have tribulation, don't worry, because I have overcome the world. That's the covenant-keeping God that we serve. Are you thankful for that? So faith is judging God faithful, even when things do not go like we think they should go. And finally, number four, conclude that God is good. In Christian groups, you hear it all the time. Is God good? And somebody will say, all the time. And then somebody will say, all the time, God is good. And if you're honest, it can get a little annoying. You want to say, can't you come up with something new? But God is good. He's good all the time. There's never a time. So that's why we judge Him faithful. Because He's a loving Heavenly Father. He's a God that's a benevolent God. He loves you. He wants your life to be the very best it can be. That's why He's given us His Word. And He says, live this, this Word out and you will experience all that I have for you. So the fourth thing is concluding that God is good. Look at verse 17 in Hebrews chapter 11. By faith, Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac, and he who had received the promises offered up his only begotten son, of whom it was said, in Isaac your seed shall be called. Concluding, did you hear that? That God was able to raise him up even from the dead. From which he also received him in a figurative sense. This couldn't have made any sense to Abraham. Sometimes God will lead us, guide us, direct us to do things that don't make sense in the natural. This certainly didn't make sense to Abraham. God's requiring the death of his son, the son that he had given Abraham miraculously in Sarah in their old age, and the son that God had said, in Isaac your seed shall be. I'm going to make Isaac a great nation. So Abraham concluded, well, God's promises to me are faithful. And God has promised me that through Isaac, I'm going to be the father of a nation. So he concluded that if he took Isaac's life, that God would miraculously raise him from the dead. That is concluding that God is good. That God is going to still bring the promises that He's promised to pass in your life. And I want to conclude today with just a few more verses. 
So many times we make conclusions about areas of our life. We make conclusions about our finances or our future or our family or if God will heal us or if we can truly be free from a, a life-controlling issue. We have all of these things that we make conclusions about. And instead of looking at the promises of God, we conclude, well, these things are for everybody else, but they're not for me. Or God's going to do this for other people, but He's not going to do it for me. And if you do that, you're concluding that God is not a covenant-keeping God, that He's not faithful, and that He doesn't love you. That He doesn't have good things for you. So we make our conclusions like Abraham based on the word that God has given us. And I want to quickly go through these verses. Philippians chapter 4 verse 19. If you're struggling and you think I'm never going to make it, I'm never going to have enough finances, God's not going to take care of me. And this is for, for every Christian, not just American Christians. Because our broadcast is, is in Thailand and Nepal and Pakistan and areas where Africa, where people are very poor. This verse is for everyone who places their faith and trust in Jesus. Philippians chapter 4 verse 19. And my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. God is a covenant-keeping, faithful God. So our conclusion is based on what He's promised us. Some conclude that I don't have a future. I wasn't able to get an education or I didn't have the right connections or I just don't see a future at all. What does God's Word say? Jeremiah 29 and 11. Most of us know it. For I know, says the Lord says, for I know the thoughts that I think towards you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you a future and a hope. God says, I've got a future for you, and it's filled with hope. Some of us make conclusions that our family's never going to come to Christ. And we just kind of give up on them. You need to pray for them. And you need to cling to the verses that God's given. I'm just going to give you one verse, but there's many. Acts 16.31, Paul and Silas are confronting the, the, the jailer that had imprisoned them there. It's, he sa says to them when he, when after the earthquake, the jailer's going to take his own life because he thinks that they've all escaped. And Paul says, no, we're all here. And then... He says, what must I do to be saved? This is what Paul answers. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. You and your household. So don't give up on your kids or your grandkids. You pray for them. You war for them in the spiritual realm. You don't give up. You pray, God, whatever it takes, Lord, bring my kids back to Jesus. Or bring them to you for the very first time. 
But Lord, I'm trusting your word. Some people don't think that God still heals today. They conclude because they don't see a miracle or they haven't been healed themselves. Cling to the promises of God. Psalm 103 verse 2. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget all his, not his, all his benefits. Forget not his benefits. Aren't you thankful God says, I've got benefits for you? Let me tell you, his benefit package is better than health insurance and a 401k. Who forgives all your iniquities, who heals all your diseases. Amen? And some people conclude that they're never going to be set free of things that control their lives. Jesus said, therefore, if the Son makes you free, you shall be free indeed. Conclude based on God's Word, not based on the natural. That's faith. And I want to read one more verse and. Pastor Don was kind of jumping the gun at our board meeting this week. And he decided his devotion would be on faith. So he preached half my sermon to the board. But I want to give you one more verse. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 20. For all the promises of God in Him, which is Jesus, are yes... And in Him, amen. To the glory of God through us. All the promises of God are yes and amen. Worship team, will you come? I want to ask the prayer team to take their stations wherever they are. Around the back of the building and across the front. And we're going to close. So I want you, church, today to determine that you're going to be a person of faith. So you're going to be obedient. You're going to make commitment to the Lord. Whatever He tells you to do, you're going to commit to it. You're going to judge Him faithful. And you're going to conclude that my God is able. Is anybody... Agree with that today? Our God is able. Nothing is impossible for our God. I still believe He does miracles. Why? Because I've experienced them. Because I've seen them. And God's calling us to be a church of faith in these last days. Because without faith, it's impossible to please God. Amen. Let's bow our heads and close in prayer. Father, we thank you for your word today. Lord, I thank you for everyone that's here today. And Lord, I pray that we would be a church of faith. That every person in our church family, Lord, would be obedient. They would commit. They would judge you faithful and they would conclude that you are able.
And Lord, whatever battle they face today, I pray that they would find one of our prayer team members and they would pray today and believe. Lord, we just thank you for your precious word. We thank you that you're a covenant-keeping God, that you are faithful. And Lord, we just bless you today and we thank you. Hallelujah. If you'd stand with me. joining us today we look forward to connecting with you next time and don't forget you can support us by giving through the church center app or by going online at summitwc.com give